We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Week six in the National Football League, and there is a reason that the ownership report on rotogrinders.com comes out on Saturdays. Featuring myself, Chris Gimino, projected ownership analyst, and Scott Hansen, multi-time DFS champion and projector of ownership in his own right. And that reason is because late-breaking information often changes a slate. When you are doing projected ownership and making projected ownership decisions, you want to act last with the most possible information. Scott, I think you can agree with this, right? This is going to be one of those weeks where 
having as much information as possible is going to be key to playing tournaments. How are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well. Yeah, it's it's definitely a week where there's a lot of injury news, um, easily the most of the year so far. And um, some of it is going to come in that second wave of games where we might not even know uh, going into the morning or anything. So um, I think we might even go over a little bit of um, flex decision making today because there's um, a number of options that you can use to kind of put yourself in a good position. Yeah, man, we're, we're excited about it, though. There's lots of opportunity. Uh, that's going to come from all this. Of course, shout out to all of you who may be listening or watching the ownership report for the first time. Uh, this is a show that we have normally behind our paywall order grinders, and we're really proud of the information that we produce each and every week here. But Scott, without further ado, let's let's break it down. Let's let's talk ownership for the week. Let's talk about the chalk at quarterback. Let's talk about Deshaun Watson, who I feel will benefit from a number of factors to be the highest owned quarterback on pretty much most sites. I think on Yahoo, you'll probably see maybe Kyler Murray because of his cheap price tag rival Watson and get up there a little bit but otherwise you know Watson's got very few check minuses against them and I think the field will follow suit and roster him what do you think yeah I'm right there with you on both um Watson and Mahomes you know them totaling up around 30 percent of the QB ownership um you know the Vegas total usually when it when there's one that's that much higher than everyone else then there's just a ton of ownership on the game yeah agree so Without any real reason to be skeptical, other than maybe the Chiefs being depleted with some injuries, you know, you should probably be expecting a little bit of offense in that, in that game, if not a lot, uh, if you are a member of the field, and thus you will be clicking the button and owning Deshaun Watson and Patrick Mahomes. I can't really put too much of a case against it. I think if I was going to, uh, you know, maybe start coloring against Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs, it would be because he's dealing with with a minor injury uh, there's there's some injuries on, on offense that that are really hampering them. You know they they probably won't have Tyreek Hill and Sammy Watkins, so you'd be looking at like Byron Pringle as their top option, other than Travis Kelsey, of course. So I don't know. What do you think of the Chiefs this week? How how are you dealing with them ownership wise? Are you going to be over or under the field on the Chiefs? Um, I'm going to be under the field in um, most spots on the on that game actually. Um, and then there's just a couple that I'm going over. I, I actually have zero of Mahomes and Watson this week. Yeah, that's that's probably a pretty hot take for most people, but I don't I don't I don't hate it at all. I actually like the under in that game a little bit just because I do think the way that uh, the Houston Texans are most likely to attack the Chiefs on defense is via the running game. And maybe there won't be quite as many plays in the game as most people expect from a pace perspective. But again, when you have two efficient quarterbacks, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if you're zero percent Watson and Mahomes and absolutely burns you. And I think you'd agree. Yeah, it could. It very well could. It's one of those things where um, they're likely to do well. You know, I know that. My hope is just that they're not the quarterbacks that break the slate and that you absolutely need them and that someone else is. And I can still get some of the weapons and maybe the guys who go off the most, but pair them with a different quarterback um, and get ahead that way. So um, it's a way to get leverage on the field in some other spots. Um, it's not the most comfortable thing, of course, but um, – you know, there's some other things in play for me, too. Um, I think that the Chiefs defense this year is a lot better than it was last year. Um, so I don't think that they're as likely to have as many shootouts and their weapons aren't as good right now. You know, I think even if Tyree Kill plays, I, I think he might be a little bit decoy status, um, not like 100 um, percent in the game plan. So I don't know how that's going to go. But um, if he doesn't play, then. I'll definitely have to bump up my uh, Pringle usage because, you know, just having any 
uh, receiver who's going to be on the field all game with Patrick Mahomes at 3.5K is just kind of ridiculous. Yeah, probably a good time to mention a couple things about Patrick Mahomes. Number one, on Yahoo, he's $40, which is 20% of your salary cap, which will make his ownership a little bit lower, I think. Uh, you know, maybe people will try to jam him in with Pringle and a couple of other cheap guys that we'll have access to this week. But again, just noting the salary cap on that site being, you know, such a high percentage for Mahomes, he might not be as popular on that site. And number two, you know, probably a good time to mention that we're talking about tournaments, right? Like big field tournaments that we're trying to ship here with the way we're discussing these ownership percentages and how we're reacting. You know, obviously, this, you know, Deshaun Watson, Patrick Mahomes, two of the best quarterbacks in the league, two of the best quarterbacks on the slate for sure. And uh, you're, you're, you know, you're going to like them in a vacuum. But when you're talking about trying to get to the top of tournaments, you're looking for an angle where you can feed all your, of your opponents. And if 30 plus percent of the field has these two guys, I, I don't hate to take it all. Let's talk about Lamar Jackson, Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray as the next three high-owned guys. I think that constitutes the, the five highest-owned quarterbacks basically on every site this week. Do you have any particular affinity to any one of these guys, and do you agree with the projected ownership? Yeah, um, I'll be using some of each of them, I believe. Um, let's see. I'm not going to have Minshew this week, but, um, but yeah, all of Lamar Jackson, Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray, I like all of them. Um, I've got Ryan at 10%. I've got... Lamar at 8% and Kyler at 8% as well. I, I think Lamar might get a little bit lower than initially expected um, because I kind of think that um, Marquise Brown's going to end up sitting out. You know, um, obviously that could change, but um, I think that if he sits out, then, you know, there's not as many stacking options. And so that becomes a little bit less enticing. Whereas, you know, Matt Ryan, Kyler Murray have good stacking options. Of course, if Christian Kirk is out for Kyler Murray, then then that changes the stacking options a little too. And then maybe Fitzgerald gets really chalky or something else happens or, you know, that, that game can go a number of ways um, because David Johnson also might be out. So there, there's a lot of things in play. And I think that oftentimes when there are injury concerns like this, um, the field just ends up a little bit lower on the players because some people just don't want to deal with it. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. I do think that, you know, Lamar Jackson, from a projection standpoint, looks really good. He's had a couple yes. of big games this week, and we've seen already on numerous occasions, you know, recency bias is not gone. Even though the field has gotten sharper, there's still a right. pretty large segment of the population that's out there, you know, they, keep, they can't forget what they saw most recently. And while Lamar Jackson had a bad week last week, I don't think those five touchdown games are out of their head just yet. So he'll definitely be among the most popular players. I agree with you. Marquise Brown will probably be out this week based on my assessment of the situation. Even if he's in, he could be limited to some degree, but mm -hmm. you know, Lamar Jackson has the rushing upside. So I don't necessarily think he's completely out. Uh, is he out for you? Um, oh no, I, I have Lamar Jackson. He's someone I want to be at least a little bit overweight on this week. Um, so yeah, yeah. He's definitely someone that I like this week, even without Marquise Brown, who, you know, he was out for around half of that last week's game anyway. So, um, so yeah, I don't think he's the only guy that carries that offense or anything. I think we're both out on Gardner Minshew this week. Uh, he's priced at just 5k, uh, you know, a lot of bias coming in his direction. Just, you know, for, it's, I guess there's, is there such a thing as mustache bias? <laughs> uh, I don't know, but it was funny because I, I had a bunch of him a couple weeks ago when he was like 0.4% owned. And now, like, all of a sudden he's chalky because, you know, he has one big game with like 27 fantasy points and now everybody wants him. But, um, 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think just when he's the chalk, I'm probably going to go in a different direction. I think he's a, a good player. He might actually be um, a solid starter in the league um, if he continues this way. But um, I don't know if he's got the like slate-breaking ceiling, and that's kind of something that I'm hoping for. Agree. Uh, Kirk Cousins may have a slate-breaking ceiling. Uh, certainly the way to attack the Eagles defense, as you've probably heard a number of times at this point throughout this week, is via the air. They're one of the best teams against the run uh, so far through 2019, and that was pretty much the case last year as well. So do you believe that the 5.2 Kirk Cousins on DraftKings, you know, he's relatively cheap on other sides, 7K on FanDuel. Do you think that that's a guy who can reach his ceiling potential at relatively high ownership, probably 7 8% or something like that? Um, personally, I, I mean, I know he can get there. I think game flow has to go a certain way for it to happen. I think the Vikings have to be down. Um, if the Vikings or, or like a really close kind of, um, shootout type game, but if the Vikings get a lead, they're taking the air out of the ball. And so I don't think that he's that likely to hit a ceiling and, you know, he's someone I'm not going to have any of this week. Um, I, I worry too much about pass attempts. I think that too often he's held under 30 pass attempts and it makes it a little bit difficult to hit that like 300 yards. You got to get, you know, well over 10 yards per pass attempt if you're going to do that. And then, um, you know, and then the touchdown upside becomes a little lower as well. Rounding out the chalkiest options, you've got Jared Goff, uh, probably going to be the only other quarterback who's, you know, any sizable amount over 5%. Uh, other than that, I think everyone else is going to be pretty much a low-owned quarterback. So where are you at here with these chalky guys? Do you have a favorite among the chalk group that you're going to be the most overweight on? Uh, Matt Ryan, I say, well, yeah, Matt Ryan of the ones that are the highest percentage for sure. I like him and Kyler Murray really. So I like that game. Both defenses are really bad. And so, and both teams throw the ball so much and um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's not really too much more to it than that. It's just, that one's really enticing to me. And they're both actually priced really well, I think too. Yeah, I think it's going to be important to get that Los Angeles Rams-San Francisco 49ers game, right? I, I mean, I definitely see the range being fairly wide as far as how this game could go. Uh, but I do think that one of the potential outcomes is, of course, a, a high-scoring game on both sides. So I think that that's, you know, it's interesting uh, for, for Goff and maybe a little bit for Garoppolo, too. I, although I don't think anyone's going to be on Garoppolo. I've met like 3%. Maybe we'll talk about that later. But how do you feel about uh, that, that, that game in general? Yeah, um, I'm lower on that game than probably most people are. Um, actually, one of the defenses I like the most is the 49ers. So um, the biggest thing that I worry about in this game for uh, for the Rams is that their offensive line is terrible, and they're going against a defensive line that's looked really, really good. And I think that that might make it difficult for um, the Rams to make big plays. And you kind of need big plays for a shootout to happen. And then on the other side of it, um, you've got George Kittle a little banged up, although he might just be completely 100% by the time he's out there. I know sometimes with groin injuries, if you're running in a straight line, you don't even feel it. It's really just like lateral movement. But um, then they like to establish the run. You know, if they get the lead, then they're taking the air out of the ball too. And if that happens, then um, that pass rush could really get after Goff and lead to a lot of check downs and things like that and um, I think that there's a, a definite route for that game being a lot lower scoring than people think um, personally the like 50 plus total seems a little high to me 
but um but you know i know it can easily happen too cool yeah i, I agree i mean I, I, there's definitely more than one way that game could go i'm not going to sit here and dismiss the idea of a high scoring game but i think with your line yeah. it sounds like you're going to bet a little bit on the under for sure i i'm pretty low on exposure i actually have um i don't think i have any of the rams wide receivers this week and i'm a little low on malcolm brown as well i don't have either quarterback from that game that is a good segue to the running back position where malcolm brown i think is going to just the only saving grace from him being just like a massive massive runaway ownership guy is the fact that he's 4.3 on DraftKings, and the fact that there might be some other values that are going to open up at other positions and then you throw in the fact that there's not really that many great spots to pay up for this week you know all these things sort of converge together where I do expect Malcolm Brown to be in the mid to high 30s maybe even 40 percent on most sites I think Yahoo might be the one site where he's going to be like 50 percent owned because he's just so minimum salary and it's it's ridiculous to to think people wouldn't play this guy you know one of every two lineups I mean that's a huge projection don't get me wrong but I mean, you would agree that minimum salary for a player that's going to be the lead running back on the Los Angeles Rams is probably going to garner over 40% ownership. Yeah, I think so. That would make sense. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I haven't really played on Yahoo before, so I don't, I don't know what the ownership trends are like on that side as much. But, um, but yeah, I would think that that would make sense um, being the minimum price. On DraftKings, of course, I'm closer to like 38% uh, than I am to, you know, something like uh, 50% on a guy like Brown. I do think that there's, you know, plenty of outs for him to to not have to be owned at that level on that site. Uh, let's talk about how you're treating him. So I think this is a big decision point this week in tournaments. If he's going to be 40% owned, sounds like you're low in that game. Sounds like you're going to be underweight on him. Uh, are you, generally speaking, taking a totally different roster construction by not paying down at running back at all? Or are you finding a different pivot, cheap running back to go with over Brown? Uh, I've got a couple other running backs um, in that price range that I will use a little bit of. But, but yeah, it's probably a little more of a different roster construction. And I'm also using um, like 60% wide receivers in flex this week. So I'm, I'm going to have a little bit less running back than the field maybe because I'm not super high on running backs this week uh, myself. And um as far as this game, I think of it like um, this is, you know, this is the defense that's number one against running backs so far. And um, the defensive line, again, I think is just really going to overmatch the offensive line for the Rams. I know um, McVay is really good at scheming up some yards like that really shouldn't even be there. But uh, I'm kind of hoping that Brown just has one of those like mild games. I think the volume is going to have him, at least avoid busting almost no matter what. I think he's still going to get like 10 plus, maybe even like 15 or more fantasy points. But if he doesn't get over 20, then the the millionaire maker winner probably isn't going to have him in the lineup. You know, I don't think you're going to get there with an under 20 at any position these days, the way that it's been going. So um, I'm kind of taking the under on, him getting that much and so I for one I also I projected him at like 35% owned so I have him a little bit lower owned but I mean it's not a big difference but but yeah I'll have him but not a whole lot yeah I buy that and if I can try to get him down a couple of percentage points I will I, I did try to sneak that in before the show but you know so much so many moving parts this week 
you know, with injuries, you know, David Johnson is questionable. It sounds like he's going to go, but you know, there would certainly be a reason to play Chase Edmonds, even if J Johnson's in because of this news. And then if he's out, of course, he would be probably the best play on the slate. You want to talk about Latavius Murray being a play against the Jaguars that are far easier to run on, got smashed by McCaffrey last week. Uh, Alvin Kamara popped up on the injury report late. He's a, you know, game day decision. So if there's no Alvin Kamara, Latavius Murray would be a better play than Malcolm Brown too. So a lot, a lot in flux here with these cheap running backs. Le'Veon Bell is not in flux though. I think everyone's playing him. Uh, he is just 6.4 on DraftKings, 6.8 on FanDuel across the board, industry-wide. The best, probably the best value running back above, you know, a certain threshold of price on the entire slate. What do you think? Yeah, um, I would say he's my favorite player on the slate overall too. Um, last week I said that about Will Fuller. I had him in like 60% of lineups too and somehow still didn't win big, but oh well. Um, so yeah, I like Le'Veon Bell a lot. He's, I mean, the volume he's getting is ridiculous. He's getting more volume than any other running back on the slate. Um, if you if you factor in um, targets as being more valuable than rushes because they are on a you know points per target versus points per carry basis, um, you know I, I think a target is worth something like two and a half carries basically. But anyway, um, Le'Veon Bell like it's not necessarily a great matchup or anything, but having Sam Darnold back is huge. Um, hopefully he plays well and allows the offense to just move. And I think that would increase his touchdown upside significantly. And, you know, Darnold just gives them the option of actually using the whole field. Um, something that's kind of underrated, I think, is just being able to attack all areas of the field. And with Luke Falk at quarterback, like they couldn't really attack beyond 10 yards and, it was really easy to defend them as a team. Yeah, it's it's crystal clear that Sam Darnold is an upgrade for Le'Veon Bell for the Jets offense. The Cowboys certainly did nothing to scare us last week against the you know the Green Bay Packers at home. So right. I'm not saying that the Jets are particularly you know likely team to to be super high scoring this week or anything like that. But at 6.4 for the massive role that Bell has in the offense, I don't blame you one bit for making him one of your favorite players on this slate. Leonard Fournette is probably going to garner a lot of ownership as well because of pricing and projections, you know, sort of aligning to make him look like a strong play. The Saints defense is really good. So I can't say for sure that this is a smash matchup. I think the total is low and there's actually a potential for it to go under in my estimation. So I'm not real high on this game in general. Certainly not sure where I'm going to land on Fournette. What are you doing with him? Um, I've got a decent amount of him, but I'm going to be underweight most likely. Um, it's another one of those that's very volume driven. You know, he's got massive volume for his cost. He's getting something like six targets a game, I think, and uh, a ton of carries. So, you know, just the volume alone should lead to a pretty good floor and also like a, a high potential ceiling. So, yeah, I mean, it's one of those with him. He tends to run for like three yards a carry all game. And then some games he breaks a really long run and makes it look really good. And then some games he doesn't and his whole line just looks bad. So that's kind of Leonard Fournette's output on a weekly basis. Yeah. And I think the game log pretty much shows you like there's a bunch of team level performances from Leonard Fournette. And then he has two weeks in a row where he sort of gets where you want to go. So I I'm sort of going to, lean in the direction of the teams this week as far as 
how he'll finish. It won't be like a, like a terrifying performance, but I don't expect him to be the slate winner. Uh, I will play him some though, just in case, because I do think there is that potential pretty much any time running back is in that situation within his offense. Uh, Dalvin Cook had an amazing situation within his offense. You said that you're not on Kirk Cousins as much. Are you on Dalvin Cook? Uh, I'm on Dalvin Cook a decent amount, but I still I might be just kind of either on his ownership or slightly under. Um, it's one of those where the matchup is terrible because, you know, Philadelphia really, really prioritizes stopping the running game. And, you know, it's, it's going to be an interesting collision because uh, Minnesota really prioritizes running at all costs, including winning games. So um, I'm not really sure how this one's going to go. Like I have Dalvin Cook with a pretty solid median projection. Um, it kind of, I think with him, it kind of comes down to like, does the offense actually function well and make good enough decisions to get them down the field? Or are they going to go run, run, pass, and then three and out all game? So um, we'll see what happens. But, you know, I like Dalvin Cook a decent amount. You know, he's someone I wouldn't want to have zero of. But um, he's not my favorite running back on the slate or anything. Agree. I, I think he deserves to be treated in the same way as some of these other backs that we've had in previous years, like your David Johnson, Le'Veon Bells a few years ago, like uh, your Christian McCaffrey's currently. I, I think he's sort of in that echelon of role within this offense. So I, I definitely would not want to fade him in full, but I, I'm not that excited about the matchup. So I probably won't hit the lock button this week. Yeah. Interesting, okay. you know, interesting stat on him. For one, he's only played 20 games in his whole career so far. It seems like he's been around for a while, but only 20 games, 10 home games, 10 road games, eight touchdowns in home games, three touchdowns in road games. So, and they are at home this week. Are you on board with the level of ownership that I have for these top guys? I've got, you know, I don't know, 120% ownership on four different guys here at the top. That's not unusual for running back, but do you think that any of this needs to get spread further down or does more of it actually need to come up top? What do you think? I mean, I've got it pretty similar, except I've got Dalvin Cook a little lower and Zeke a little higher. Um, you know, it could go either way, though. I think it's it's kind of tough on this week. But, um, but yeah, I've got Zeke a little bit higher. I've got him at like 19%. And then I've got Dalvin Cook at 15 So I have him kind of reversed, I guess. And Let's talk about Zeke. I, I, we got to talk Zeke because when I opened up the slate, there was nobody really to pay up for. And, you know, the way that I was doing ownership earlier in the week, it was just working out that Zeke was looking like a popular option. As the week went on, it became clear that the roster construction was not going to favor paying all the way up to 8,500 for Zeke instead paying for wide receivers. So I kind of think Zeke's going to be pretty low owned this week. I wouldn't put him under 10%, but I don't think it's going to be tremendously higher than 10%. Like I, I would put a cap at like 16%. I would be surprised if it went any higher than that. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I guess I could get on board with that being the case. And if it is, then maybe that's a situation where I need to get more Zeke than I have because this game sets up well for him. Um, I was looking at, okay, so I know you're not big on this, but I'm huge on home road splits because they really have worked for me a lot in the past. And Zeke has like 20 touchdowns in 21 career road games. And he has like, 18 and 24 home games. So, you know, he gets significantly more touchdowns on the road. Whereas Amari Cooper gets basically like three quarters of his touchdowns at home and a quarter on the road and busts almost every game at home, or I mean on the road for some reason. Um, 
So, you know, I think there's definitely a route. Um, you know, Dak Prescott has pretty wide home road splits as well and in favor of home. And so them being on the road, they might kind of like ride Zeke because they typically haven't had the most success in the passing game in the road or on the road. So, yeah, I think that there's a definite route to him having a, a major big game. And um, it's very possible that he's like the running back you need on this slate. Yeah, I'll I'll definitely be paying attention, but I don't have a lot of evidence that suggests he's going to be really popular this week. I just have, you know, I, I the projections are they're okay, but they don't like necessarily demand that he's the highest owned guy. And there's yeah. certainly nobody in the industry that's getting on board with him as like a major optimal play in like your cash game type builds and your tournament builds. You know, he's he just sort of just laying there. I think you can build more attractive lineups based on game environments without going up to Zeke at 8,500. So I, I think you're probably going to see him in the low to mid-teens. And that's, like you said, probably a good tournament play. Uh, yeah. Nick, Nick, I think a big reason is because he just hasn't – he hasn't been getting the target volume that he was getting last year, and that makes his projections a lot worse. Mark Ingram, Nick Chubb, Chris Carson are three guys that have relatively similar profiles as backs. I think Chubb has the most passing game upside this week against the Seahawks. Uh, Mark Ingram has, like, no passing game upside. Of course, that could change, though, with no Marquise Brown. Maybe they try to find a way to get some screen passes involved here for Ingram, which is not something we've seen so far. The Bengals are atrocious on defense. Uh, we've seen him be higher owned than we expect pretty much every week. Uh, a couple of weeks ago was an extreme example. Where do you think he's going this week? He's 6.6. .6. Nobody's really talking about him again, but is it possible that he's 23% again? Uh, I got him at 15, so, you know, um, and – I'm going to have like 15% of him myself, I think. So, um, yeah, I mean, I like Ingram. He's a, he's pretty game flow dependent, I think. Um, and game flow should be in his favor, you know? So, um, it's, it comes down to the touchdown upside. It's one of those where he's one of the running backs. I wouldn't really stack with the quarterback because, you know, they're, I think they're a little bit more negatively correlated than some of the, quarterback running backs that um, have some more pass catching upside, but yeah, I mean, I like Ingram a decent amount. I'm not like really heavy on him or anything, but he's going to be one of the guys I have. Uh, Chubb is a guy that I like a lot. Uh, 7.3. I don't think he's going to be tremendously popular. I think that that game is probably from a standpoint of ownership compared to what I think the actual chance of that being a high scoring game are. I think it's probably the most underrated one on the week. Uh, I think mm -hmm. that with, you know, Baker Mayfield's performances thus far are probably leading people to believe that the best way to attack is with an Odell Beckham one-off in that game and not necessarily as like a, like a stackable situation. I actually do think that's a stackable situation. I want to be pretty far overweight on Nick Chubb and the rest of that game in general. So what do you think about Chubb this week? Are you taking an overweight stance with me or are you kind of not really sure about the Browns just yet? Uh, I'm probably going to be a little overweight on Chubb, not not that much. Um, and then, you know, the Browns' offense overall um, is one that I'm going to have some shares of for sure. Um, I like their passing game this week. I um, feel like it's a, a decent bounce-back spot. Um, and then, you know, on the other side, I'm going to have some exposure to the Seahawks too. I think that's another game that has – the potential to shoot out. I mean, you've got Russell Wilson and Baker Mayfield. Like those are two guys who can easily get involved in a shootout. Yep. I'm with you. So 
that's another interesting spot here at running back getting towards the lower side of ownership in Nick Chubb. You know, we, we mentioned Chris Carson on the other side of that game, like in passing here, I think he's going to be around 10% owned. I think that there's some pretty good upside for him to have a good game too, but you know, I, I have trouble getting really excited about him. I don't know what it is about the guy. Where are you taking a position on Chris Carson? He's another one I'll be like maybe slightly overweight on. I've got him in more than 10%, but like between 10 and 15% for myself. Um, yeah, it's it's another one where he's pretty game flow dependent. I think um, he might catch some passes, but um, to me, when Rashad Penny is out, that actually decreases Carson's upside. He might get more carries, but he gets less pass game work, I think. So um, I think ProSize just takes on more of the pass game role, whereas Rashad Penny is more just like change of pace, and then Carson is in the pass game role a little more. Yeah, interesting. Um, I haven't made a decision on Carson yet, but that's because, you know, a guy like Damian Williams is 5.7 below him. And I definitely think he'll have a role in the past game this week. He's one of my favorite Kansas city chiefs, given the situation out there. Uh, We saw his role get restored to something close to what it was to start the season, the way we thought it was going to be last week. And I am hopeful that that will continue with the situation with the receivers in this, in this group. You know, they don't have a lot of pass catchers. I believe Williams will have a prominent role in the past game and he has tremendous upside. I think he's one of my favorite tournament backs of the week. It makes sense. I mean, anytime you get the running back in a Mahomes offense, that's big. I think the one thing I'm a little nervous about with him is the chances that he loses playing time to McCoy just because of like poor play lately. Hmm. Interesting. I, I can't really make any statements. or tr- I don't want to guess what they're going to do. I only want to look at what they did do last week. And right. I'm just, I'm just going, you know, it's a tournament. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to shoot for the stars anyway. I, I don't want to, live in fear of the situation not continuing with the pass game work for Williams. I just want to sort of follow some logic that they need help in the passing game and that he will continue to get that work. We've seen him have explosive plays in the passing game in the past. For sure. That's the most attractive part about him as a running back out of the backfield. It's not just check down city. Uh, Kenyon Drake is 4.4. Talk about it. I mean, I don't really want to say too much about Kenyon Drake, I'm just sort of at a loss for words with the Dolphins, but I mean, the guy is 4.4 at this point, and this is the best matchup they have seen by far. Yeah, it's probably the best, the best matchup they're going to see. He is someone I'll be overweight on. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, he's sort of my, like it says there, he's sort of my pivot from uh, Malcolm Brown because, you know, he has shown some upside in the past and, um, he has big play upside, and I think that that defense is one that is capable of giving up big plays, and I don't think there are a whole lot of players on the Dolphins who are, you know, big play guys, but the few that they do have, I'm going to have some exposure. Like, I have uncomfortable amounts of exposure to, like, the Dolphins and the Jets this week. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, so – I think we'll stop there at running back. 8% is really the floor that we want to start talking about. Once we get below that, we're into low-owned play territory. Later in the show, Scott and I will go through some plays that we like at low ownership at each position. And, you know, this 8% level is pretty much where I think we should stop talking about a guy who's, like, super, super low-owned. Uh, yeah, there's always a chance Adrian Peterson gets into the double digits on ownership. I'm just going to say right now, <laughs> he's got a coach who thinks that – rushing attempts are more important than efficiency. 
I do not want to go on tilt live on the show right now when we've got a bigger audience this week. Nothing <laughs> more than people wanting to play Adrian Peterson ever. I, I get what they're going for here with this run first mentality, but guess what happens if they run the ball all the time, Scott? First of all, the offense will suck for sure, and they won't get any production. And second of all, the clock's going to run, and the game's going to become completely ridiculously slow pace. He's not that cheap at 4.5. I mean, I'd rather lose than play Adrian Peterson. I've said it many times before, and I will continue to maintain that. I'm playing him. <laughs> Make me, that's disgusting. All right, let's it's, move on to the wide receiver. the Dolphins' defense. I mean, if they're going to give him the ball like 20 times – against the Dolphins defense he I mean he had three pretty big games last season and he might not have three big games this year he might have one big game this year and it might be this week (laughs) I will absolutely enjoy giving away every dollar this week if I do not and you know if I have Adrian Peterson at zero percent and he's the guy I need I will just I will fist pump the idea of not having played him here's what I'm calling he's going to prove his coach right by having 18 carries for 35 yards going into the fourth quarter, and then he's going to break an 80-yard touchdown and put him over 100. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> you, you have no idea what this house will look like if, if that happens. <laughs> Furniture strewn about. Like, windows are going to be shattered. Like, the neighbors are going to call the police. Like, it's just going to be brutal if that is the situation that transpires with Adrian Peterson. I absolutely dislike him as much as I could dislike any National Football League running back. Let's get into receiver position where I have DeAndre Hopkins listed as the chalk on most sites. I think that that's fair. He's the popular pairing with Deshaun Watson. He is a tremendously high projected target share receiver. You know, nobody's buying into this zero touchdown since week one, zero hundred yard game since week one situation. Absolutely. Everyone is sharp enough to know that he's a phenomenal play. He will be in a ton of lineups. Yeah, this is one where I wish the field was a little less sharp on that because it seems like they're they're starting to get more of the uh, regression plays from time to time now, and you know that's something that was a was an easy place to capitalize. You know, you you roster like the star player who hasn't had a touchdown in three or four games, and then they're like two percent owned or something. But now it's not really happening that way. And um, I like Hopkins a lot. He's one of the players that I'm going to be overweight on most likely even though I'm not going to have exposure to the quarterbacks in this game um you know I don't always like going with high priced chalk wide receivers but this just I mean he was my favorite wide receiver play um at least for the high priced guys and so it was just someone I couldn't fade and uh I do have him projected a little lower than you I just have him projected at like 23 percent Maybe I'm being hopeful there. Um, also, I have Tyreek Hill in, though, so maybe that, that changes things a little bit, too. So maybe it does go up to that level if he's out. Yeah, thanks for mentioning that, because I do not have Tyreek Hill projected as in right now. I don't believe that he will play this week. I think that his injury, for a number of different reasons, uh, based on the advice of Pro Football Doc uh, on, his, you know, on his website, you know, there's, there's some danger in throwing him out there too early. Not from like Kenny play standpoint, he's fine. He could run around and do everything just just fine right now. It's just the fact that a re-injury of that of that particular sternoclavicle thing would you know put his, his life at risk potentially. Not not wow high probability, but just any possibility of your life being at risk. They don't really want to take on the liability. So clearing him medically is a difficult task in that situation. So I do have uh, Byron Pringle. I'm at 14 percent right now. 
where do you think he'll actually go? Like, I don't know if the real number is 14%, if, if there is no Tyree Kill, but he's the guy who took on the snaps last week, had a big game uh, on an island. I, I do feel like he'll be popular. I just don't know how popular. I feel like that's almost more of a hedge between Hill being in and Hill being out, because I think that people will still roster him if Hill is in. Um, and it might be, it might be like 10% or a little less if Hill is in. And then um, I think that if he's out, he probably creeps up more towards 20%. I think that's a fair statement. And that's probably where I will go. If we get the news official tomorrow that, yeah, Hill is out. Um, it even depends to me on what time the news would come out. You know, if it's one of those updates that happens like tonight or early morning, then that gives a, gives people a lot more time to alter their lineups. And I think that if it's one of those where we hear nothing at all or we just hear game time decision and then all of a sudden when the inactives are released, that's when we find out, then I don't think the ownership gets as high. Where are you projecting Odell Beckham, Adam Thielen, and Cooper Cup this week? I do feel like those are probably the three most popular spend-up types wide receivers outside of DeAndre Hopkins. I think that you will be able to spend up at wide receiver this week, thanks to Malcolm Brown, maybe some other situations, including Byron Pringle. So how high are these three guys going, and in what order do you project them? I actually have all three right at 15%. But I have Tyree Hill at 12%, and the way you have it projected basically breaks that 12% up to the other guys, and I would pretty much have it the same way, I think, as you have it if, um, if Hill is out. So, um, so, you know, I think we're pretty much on the same page with those guys. Beckham's my favorite of the three right now. Uh, as it sits on Saturday morning, I do believe that he's in line for a bounce-back spot. I don't think it'll come at low ownership, which is concerning to me. But I'm I'm not really going to worry about it too much when it comes to the idea of a guy who's number one receiver in an offense playing at home in a game that I think has a better potential than most do to have high scoring. I I just want to bet on talent in this situation, and I'm going to probably include Odell Beckham in my main tournament lineup. Yeah, so I'm trying to be overweight on Beckham as well. Um, He's another one of those where it's like, man, these regression to the mean plays that used to always be low-owned suddenly – aren't anymore it's the price man i mean 6800 yeah you know if he was 7500 i don't think it would even be close that's a good point yeah so but i think the 6800 is too hard to ignore same with levy on bell right like no one right. in years past probably would have been that interested in levy on bell but the price is just too low to ignore great job by DraftKings uh in, in doing these types of pricings by the way because it really is putting a challenge to the field to make decisions in both projected ownership and in their lineups that i think are are very fun. It's a, it's a very good game environment on DraftKings these days. Uh, I do think on some other sites, Adam Thielen is probably priced just a little bit better for ownership, like on FanDuel, he's 7.2. Uh, 6,700, though, on DraftKings, I still think he'll be popular, so don't expect to get him at low ownership after the game he had last week. Right. Uh, maybe on Yahoo, he's a little bit less owned at, at $31. Cooper Cup, man, I mean, this dude's destroying. Uh, I think everyone is aware of it at this point. I had him low-owned earlier in the week, but that was because we didn't have quite as much value at that time. Since the value has become clear, I'm figuring he'll probably be upper teens, high teens, like we talked about there. But that is assuming that Tyreek Hill is out. Uh, Will Fuller, where are you doing with him? I have him at 15% right now. Is this going to be another Mark Ingram situation where he's 30% because of recency bias? 
Um, well, his price bumped up more than Ingram's did after that game, I think. So, so that's a, a factor. But um, I've got him up at 19%, so I do think he'll be a little higher. Um, man, so I had 60% Will Fuller last week. He was my favorite player on the slate. This week, I will have zero of him, completely zero. He has, I think he's had one big game in his career on the road, and he just crushes at home. Like, he averages, I think it's like 0.6 touchdowns a game at home and like 0.25 or less on the road. It's crazy. Like, he he often, I think he's at like around 62 yards a game at home and like 46 on the road. So, um, yeah, like... I, it's coming off of a three touchdown game, like teams game plan against guys after they have games like that usually. And um, this defense is a lot different than the Falcons defense. Um, I think that they've played a little bit better. I think that they have um, the tools to sort of stay with Fuller and they, um, the Chiefs tend to play pretty good defense when they're at home. I have a stat line in my head for Fuller. I was like four catches for 60 yards and a touchdown. And that won't be good enough for tournaments. So not at, you know, 15, 20%. So I, I'm with you that I will be underweight on Fuller. I do think he'll be involved in this game. I don't think it's like going to be like a shutout for Will Fuller, but I'm just not interested in the idea of him being the guy you need to win. Not when the ownership's up, not when the price is up, not when I think the Texans will run the ball more than they will pass it eventually, because I, I do think the Chiefs are very vulnerable in the run game. I'm going to say he gets four catches for 45 yards and no touchdown. Julio Jones, what's his stat line? He is like not getting the target share that we normally expect from Julio Jones, but I, I don't think anything has really changed about the situation with Julio Jones. I think at some point, like the monster game is coming. That's just how it works with him. He's way too good. Mm-hmm. The question is, is it coming this week? Um, he's one of my favorite receivers this week, so I'm hoping it does. Um, I, I watched that game again last week, um, like rewatched it just with like, like a focus on what's going to happen this week. And the Texans specifically tried to take Julio Jones out. Um, Matt Ryan is a good enough quarterback with good enough um, secondary weapons that if a team does that, he doesn't have to force the ball to Julio and can still move the ball pretty well. Um, and I thought he did a good job of that um, after the early stages of the game, at least. And um, this week, I just I don't think Arizona is really capable of doing that. Like they could try to shut down Julio, but I mean I don't know if he uh, loses against double coverage against the Cardinals. So I don't know if it's really going to matter much. I think that the Cardinals' defense is just so porous that um, he's going to have a couple of big plays and a decent volume. I think. Um, when Julio goes a few games with single digit targets, like that monster target game is coming and there's no reason for it not to be today. Or I mean, uh, this week, if I can help it, I'll try to get his ownership up to like maybe 16 or 17%. I think that that's like the ideal median point between like 14 and 22, which is really where I think his like range of ownership is going to be on the slate. People definitely want to play that game. People definitely want to play Julio Jones. The question is, can they afford it? And this week there's plenty of ways to get there. Yeah, I do think people are going more wide receiver flex than they were last year, and I think there's good reason for that. I think that um, the pricing has changed on wide receivers this year. Last year, they were pricing receivers over for some reason. They were pricing them higher than they should have all season, 
And this year they're priced more in line with like running backs as far as, you know, their median projections go. What is your flex allocation to wide receivers this week? 60%. Wow. I mean, I'm, I'm in, in your projected ownership. Oh, oh, in projected ownership. Um, Let's see. It's probably more like 30% or so. Okay. That, that's right about where I'm at with that too. So probably a good time to little teaching moment about projected ownership people. Like you can't just project people in a vacuum. You have to abide by the raw, the, the, you know, the rules of roster construction and the salary cap, right? Like you can't just come up with random numbers as far as your project. If you're doing projected ownership for yourself, you absolutely have to consider the salary cap and make sure that your numbers abide by the possibilities there. And also the possibilities of positional availability on whatever site that you're projecting ownership for. Let's talk about DJ Chark. I actually had shout out to the guy. If he's listening, who emailed in to our support, absolutely livid at my projection of DJ Shark being too low. I, I agree with them, by the way, like earlier in the week, it was too low, but man, like I don't see the actual player projections for Shark meriting like this kind of ownership level. I just think it will get there because of recency bias. I I'm not on DJ Shark at all this week. Oh, interesting. So although I don't have Minshew, I do have Shark a lot. He's going to be in a lot of my labs and I have him at 20% projected ownership too. So he, he's one of the biggest discrepancies uh, that I have, or maybe the biggest this week in ownership. I mean, he's been crushing like all season, really. And um, he's he's playing like um, a number one receiver, like a bona fide number one receiver, like top half in the league, number one receiver. And, um, you know, to argue against that, like, I would just say, just watch how he played in the previous games and, you know, see if you see anything different, but he's been really, really good. Yeah. And I don't, it's not about the quarterbacks for the Saints, believe me. Like I, I don't think Marshawn Lattimore is good. I think he's good at pretty much covering one guy in the entire league. Mike Evans, pretty much everyone else. That's can, true, right? <laughs> pretty much everyone else just gets like yardage and touchdowns against this guy, you know, week in, week out. I mean, he's, he's definitely not like a shut down cornerback at this point. So it's not about the cornerback matchup here. I just think that the pace of, of this game, and the potential for the Saints defensive line to dominate the Jaguars offensive line really scares me for the capabilities of any of these receivers in Jacksonville having a monster, monster game. Price point's fine. You know, Chark's been crushing. I'm not going to blame anyone for going there. I, I just don't think I'm going to go there. Yeah, to me, he's a misprice. I, I thought, for one, I think him and Terry McLaurin should have switched prices. Like, Chark, Chark could have been 6K and McLaurin 5.5. It just doesn't make sense to me that those two are where they are. League average uh, cornerback Jalen Ramsey may be back this week. Uh, <laughs> uh, do, do you think that that will lower Michael Thomas's ownership? Um, I got him at like 14%. Where do you have him? I got 10. Okay. I don't think it's going to lower it that much because Thomas had such a massive game last week. So I think that offsets it a little, but I guess it's possible. Like you, you could be right with 10. Um, I wouldn't be surprised at all if it gets down to that because of how much people want to play the other receivers in this range. But man, this week, the high priced receivers do look a lot better than the high priced running backs when it comes down to it. Yeah. I'm not scared of Jalen Ramsey was the point of saying he's league average. I'm, right. not, sure. I get I'm not sure he's exactly that bad, but like I, I, there's no reason for me to believe that you can't, 
you know, have a top flight receiver like Michael Thomas have a good game against them. I just mentioned not liking that game environment, which is probably the bigger reason why I wouldn't be on Michael Thomas as much this week. Uh, Calvin Ridley is in a game that I do like the environment. I have him at 12%. Where do you have him? Um, like 11. Yeah. So I imagine since you like Matt Ryan and you're sort of interested in playing this game that you're going to have quite a bit of Calvin Ridley. I have zero. <laughs> How does that work? It's, I don't like his price. He's overpriced to me. Like it doesn't mesh with uh, what he's averaged throughout his career. It doesn't mesh with his like six targets a game that he tends to get. You know, it's just the volume doesn't match the price in my opinion. Like when you've got DJ Chark probably going to get eight targets and, you know, Ridley probably going to get six, like that's a big difference to me. So, you know, uh, I like, I think Ridley's often overpriced. I just, I would like him if he was cheaper. All right. I'm just trying to reverse engineer your lineup so I can play it. So like, they're just, you know, got to, got to make sure I figure out whether or not you're on. Well, Calvin Ridley. I'll make it simple for you. My, my Ryan stacks have Julio and some Hooper and that's it. Yeah, we'll talk about the tight end position. Oh, wait, actually, they have one other guy, but I'll get to him in a little while. Cool. Let's talk about Larry Fitzgerald, because I think that among the Cardinals receiver, he's the only one that I think people can trust is healthy right now. Christian Kirk is probably going to play, but is he at 100%? You know, I can't answer that. I mean, if he's on the field, certainly I think you have to assume that he's good enough to go. But, you know, I don't – Christian Kirk probably would be really chalky if it wasn't for the fact that he's hurt, right? Right, and I, I have him – at seven percent oh okay you moved it down a little it looks like so yeah I've got Kirk as being pretty low owned I could even see it going under seven because that being the later game and legitimately not knowing if he's going to play so um this is one play that I like a lot well you mentioned Fitzgerald too I really I have both of them in a decent chunk of lineups each and um what I'm going to do in a lot of my lineups is if I have Christian Kirk, I'm probably putting him in the flex. And to me, that works really well because at 5.2K, um, you could have George Kittle as a substitute for him, assuming he plays, if, uh, um, if Kirk is out or if somehow David Johnson and Kirk are out, then you could put Chase Edmonds in or you could just shift down to Malcolm Brown um, if you want to. So it gives you a lot of good options. If you put Christian Kirk in the flex, um, um, as far as dealing with the injury situation, or you could put in like Philip Lindsay or Matt Breida. So, um, there's all kinds of ways that you can go And to me, um, the ability to late swap and have like good flexibility in the lineups after the first wave of games is kind of important when the injuries are the way that they are. Um, and, you know, you can kind of look at each of your lineups and see, like, all right, what has potential? Do I need a chalky player or a contrarian player here? You know, like, if I'm way ahead, maybe I just go with the chalk and hope that people don't catch me. Or if I'm a little behind, maybe I go with a lower-owned guy um, if Kirk is out or something like that. But Or even if he's in, you can still pivot if you want to. But um, I just like the flexibility of having him there. Yeah, it's, in, it's an interesting take there. So, uh, you know, I'm. I'm skeptical of his health as far as Christian Kirk is concerned, but I, I am otherwise interested in that price point you know, on other sites. He's just really, really cheap. I think on FanDuel, he's just like, you know, something like 5,600. Yeah. I mean, that's a great price and he's going to be like five or 6% owned or something on that site. Let's recap the ownership here for wide receiver. Hopkins is probably the clear chalk. And then I think you get a group of guys, Beckham, Thielen, Cup, and maybe DJ Chark and Julio Jones. 
Uh, you have Will Fuller in that group as well. I think that's like probably the next six or seven guys right there. Byron Pringle could get up to like 20% if there is no Tyreek Hill. If not, he'll probably fall to like six, 7%. What do you have him at if, if there's no uh, Hill out? Yeah, I think he'll still be like, yeah, at least six or seven, maybe even close to 10. Uh, Calvin Ridley, 11%, probably out right in that game environment. Same with Larry Fitzgerald. Didn't mention Robert Woods, but just because of his price point at a lot of different sites, I think he's really cheap on Yahoo. Uh, that could raise his ownership up to like 10, 11%. Same as we have here on DraftKings. So you should look out for some Robert Woods lineups this week, even though that's not like the most talked about in Vogue play. Uh, you have Michael Thomas higher than I do. I have 10%. You have 14%. And then below that, you know, you've got some guys that are not bad enough a place to be low owned, but probably too good, you know, elsewhere in the lineup for them to be high owned. Like Stefan Diggs is worrying about Adam Thielen. Tyler Lockett worried about Chris Carson. I didn't, we didn't mention Jamison Crowder, but I think on DraftKings, he's just 4K. That'll be a site-specific play. Maybe on Yahoo, he's also like the minimum salary, so you'll see ownership there. And then, you know, a couple of other guys, Boyd, Kirk, Gallup, Landry. You know, none of these guys are going to be real low-owned, but I don't think they'll be high-owned. Any, any, anybody that I didn't mention there that you think will be higher-owned? Mm, let's see. Not really. I don't really have a chalky, cheap receiver this week. Let's move on then to the tight end position where it's just super easy. This will be like a two-minute segment. Hooper is a complete stone chalk, should be against the Arizona Cardinals. Travis Kelsey will be able to be afforded more easily with some injury news in my current projections, so I think he'll creep up higher than I think most people thought he would have earlier in the week. Kittle experienced an injury yesterday at practice, which is going to drive his ownership down and Hooper's ownership up. And then, of course, with no Marquise Brown, you'll have Mark Andrews' ownership start to creep up because people will see that as the only truly viable stacking option with Lamar Jackson. And I don't think people are just automatically going to get off Lamar Jackson. Those four right. guys are going to have a massive percentage of tight end ownership. Disagree with me now. No, that's that's where I've got the ownership too. Let's see, among those four in my projections, I've got them taking up like 79% of the ownership, just those four guys. I've got Andrews a little higher than you. I've got him at 18% because of um, assuming that Marquise Brown uh, won't play. You know, I think it changes if he does. Pretty much everyone else is going to be low-owned, so I'm not even going to waste people's time. Uh, bottom line is, I think most of the ownership is going to be here for good reason. Do you have a lot of ownership outside these four guys? Um, not really. I, I, there's only six tight ends that I'm using total. Um, so, yeah. If you're creative out there and you have a wild imagination, maybe you can envision somebody else besides these four guys and you get a huge ownership advantage. But unfortunately, the reason that they are getting all the ownership is because their opportunity projections are just through the roof compared to every other tight end. Let's get to the defense where I have some work to do. I mean, obviously, with the new situation, there's going to be a lot of work to do on every ownership projection on every site up through lock tomorrow. But the defense in particular... I'm just like very confused about how this is going to go on DraftKings. I, I don't think it's crystal clear. The Ravens have the easiest call as far as matchup against the Cincinnati Bengals. Maybe with some of the savings, there'll be enough people that will gravitate toward there because it's safe, but they're still 4,100. That scares me. You know, which cheap defense is going to be the highest owned one? I, I'm really, really struggling with defense this week. Yeah, I, I have weird projections on defense. Um, I think – one that I have, or a couple that I have different than you. One, the Redskins, I think, are going to be higher yeah. owned. I've got them that's at eight percent. That's a that's a misclick on my part there. That that'll get fixed in just a little bit. But yeah, I agree. And then um, I've got the 49ers at eight percent, but 
you know, I could be wrong on that, but um, we did see them destroy the Browns with their defense. And so, you know, I think that because of the price and with Todd Gurley being out, I think some people, if they're not in the running backs don't matter group, then they might think that that hurts the Rams offense a lot. But um, yeah, I mean, I've, I've got so many defenses here in the like four to 8% range. That's where I've got a lot of them. And I don't really Titans? have any majorly chalky defense. I got the Titans at 8%. Yeah. Yeah. So DraftKings is a little bit different. I think some other sites, you know, it's pretty easy to, to see the Ravens being a higher owned defense on some other sites this week. Um, they're not quite, you know, price prohibitively on FanDuel. You know, I mean, they're high, but they're just, it's not as hard to get there on that site. And it's not as hard, definitely not as hard to get there on Yahoo where they're like $14 or something like that. So, you know, it's definitely a situation where I think people are going to be willing to attack the Cincinnati Bengals to, on some level. Um, you know, the Jets are 1500 on DraftKings. I mean, I guess people are going to have to look at that, right? I mean, you can look at it. <laughs> I, no, I'm telling you, people are going to do it. I consider it. It makes sense. You know, there's there's a chance. If they get a defensive touchdown, that's really all it comes down to, right? If they get a defensive touchdown, then they're a good value. And you pair them with Le'Veon Bell. Um, it's a nice, really cheap stack for a defense and a running back. But I currently don't have it at all. I'm just not confident that they can stop the Cowboys offense. Yeah, I'm with you there. Uh, the Chiefs defense is also pretty cheap, and you know that that game could certainly have some ways for, you know, for them to come through at 2,500 on DraftKings. But my recommendation on defense is I'm I'm going to spend a lot of time on defense tonight, and uh, as the news breaks tomorrow, I'll definitely get a better sense of where the ownership's going to land there. But it's on DraftKings, it's it's a little bit of the Wild West right now. I'm not really sure where it's all going to shake out. There's just not a really, really, really clear spot. Yeah, I don't think there's a mega chalk type defense this week. Scott, it's time to talk about low-owned plays, and I think this is a really good week for it, but at the same time, I'm a little bit nervous about my picks because I'm going to be going in the face of some pretty clearly good plays at, at mm -hmm. these positions, and I think that that's the risk anytime you go into the low-owned territory. I'm not trying to fill my entire lineup with low-owned plays. I'm just trying to find you know one or two angles that can differentiate the good plays from the rest of my opponents. That's ultimately a way to get to the top of the tournament leaderboard is to have intelligently differentiated lineups. Scott, who do you have as your low-owned quarterback? Don't pick mine, please. Um, all right. There's a chance I do. We'll see what happens. But this is a guy I have in way too many lineups, most likely. But I have Sam Darnold. Is oh. that yours? Yes, no? I didn't pick mine. <laughs> Go ahead. Talk about Darnold. I have him like a half percent owned right now. Yeah, I put him at 2% owned. I think that some people will use him because of the stackability. But, um, yeah, it's it's one of those where more than anything, I'm, I'm hoping that he's just better in his second year. You know, he had some – he showed some promise towards the end of last year. He's very cheap. He's got Le'Veon Bell. He's got Robbie Anderson and Jamison Crowder. I feel like they have some tools to be able to move the ball. Um, and you know, like sometimes the Cowboys just don't show up all the way, you know, and if, um, maybe their offense does and their defense kind of keeps, um, keeps this game close or something, you know, the Jets are at home where Darnold, he's had like pretty big home road splits too. Like most of his touchdowns were at home last year. And 
I'm just hoping that they're able to keep this game close and that it's like a shootout or something because uh, if it is, his stacking options are very cheap and um, it's very easy to bring back with Cowboys players as well. So I just like the roster construction um, with game stacks in this. Very interesting. I am picking a little bit less dangerous of a play, or maybe it's a more dangerous play, depending on how you look at it. They've played this year. Baker Mayfield, probably going to be. Yeah, that's what I thought you were going with. <laughs> yeah, of course. I mean, I mean, everyone's going to be on Odell, but like uh, for some reason, I don't think that that's going to be stacked with Mayfield and not going to be stacked with a Seahawks game stack. I don't believe that this is going to be one of the most stacked games. And for what it's worth, I think that the total probably you know, gets, gets eclipsed here. You know, I think that the, the, you know, the Browns do bounce back, are able to put up a good showing at home. I, I don't necessarily believe that their draw of opponents has been incredible so far. I, I, I certainly think the 49ers, like you said, deserve more credit on defense than they've been given to date. And I also think that the quarterback can play a lot better than he's played. I, I don't know if the short week is going to affect them to the point where that's not possible in that period of time, but I do believe Baker is capable of high-level NFL quarterback play he's certainly got some weaponry and I do like Nick Chubb in the passing game a little bit as well I do think that you know this is a situation where you know you could pair Baker with Nick Chubb in your DFS stacks I'm interested in the Browns overall and I'm definitely interested in Baker as a quarterback at low ownership nice yeah I mean I have some too how about running back what do you got there all right, so this is one I like a decent amount this week. He's not super low-owned necessarily, but maybe he gets lower than this. Um, Devontae Freeman. So, yeah, he's on my list. I, I think that's a really good one. I, um, so I watched the Cardinals and um, Bengals game trying to look for, like, where the defensive holes were. And, oh, my gosh, the Bengals – I mean, not the Bengals. The Cardinals were allowing, like, gaping holes up the middle – against the Bengals' horrible offensive line. And Joe Mixon was just, like, crushing at the beginning. And then they just, like, stopped giving him the ball for whatever reason. But um, I think this is a definite opportunity for Freeman to break out and maybe break a big run or, like, a long touchdown or something. And his passing game usage has been really good lately. So he's um, he's got a little bit better – of a, a total volume right now. And he's playing a very weak defense. Um, I think this could be a game where he kind of breaks out of, out of his funk. I share conviction with that one for me. I think that that's, that's really savvy. I think a couple of guys on our site are also, you know, wanting to play Devonta Freeman in this game. You know, maybe, maybe his ownership's a little bit low if, if we're not, if we're all seeing the same thing, but I certainly don't think it gets to be one of the highest owned guys on the slate. So I do like, Freeman as a potential leverage play. I mentioned Damian Williams earlier. I think he's okay. Uh, I think Derrick Henry, though, against the Broncos, I mean, when you look at how they defend this year, they've been so much better against the pass than the run by a large margin. And anytime that you have a guy who is capable of multi-touchdowns, capable of massive, massive plays, who's going to be available under, you know, 7% owned, something like that, I think you just absolutely have to consider it. And I think he pairs well with the Titans defense. I think there's a clear game script that could happen where you could have that correlation work out. So give me one of my least favorite players in the league, Derrick Henry. I was like, yeah, I was thinking, I want to bring back some of your clips from last season about Derrick Henry because you hate this guy, right? He looks like, he looks like uh, like Zangief out there, like from Street Fighter. He's like nine feet tall. He stands completely upright. 
Like, but the bottom line is I, I, I'm not able to practice take locks, Scott. I didn't like him. I didn't think, you know, what I had seen to that point was working out. And at this point in time, he's done enough to prove that the, the Titans are going to give him the ball. What, who am I to say? Like, you know, you yeah. in on the goal line, he's got touchdown upside. He's got more importantly upside to eclipse the, you know, tournament threshold for the $6,100 price tag. And that's really all I care about. Yeah, he, he's a very unique running back. You know, he, he has a very different running style than most. He's definitely not a scat back, and he's not your typical power back either. He's like, he's got this crazy top speed with really slow acceleration, but a ton of power and a ridiculous stiff arm. And he only bends his runs instead of cutting. Yeah, you know what? Let's, let's skip the scat. Sometimes it works really, really well. <laughs> you know, the, our scouting opinions aside, I think he's definitely a good tournament play this week. Who do you got a wide receiver? Okay, so first off, I, I don't have like any low-owned tight ends, so I've got multiple wide receivers that I like. Um, I can, I'm going to say, okay, the one that I like most is Robbie Anderson. And um, this is one, It's this is going to make or break me this week because – uh, I'm going to have him in a lot of lineups and, you know, looking at his picture doesn't make me that confident, but <laughs> I'm, I'm trusting this guy with my week, but, um, <laughs> you know, he's a deep threat and they haven't been able to stretch the field because they haven't had a quarterback throw down field. Um, he is another guy with ridiculous home road splits, like all of his good games are at home and, um, I'm hoping that he's able to get past this Dallas secondary. Um, it's not really a secondary that's, that I'm thrilled about attacking. It's more of a price thing and just a player upside thing because he's shown 30-plus DraftKings point upside in the past. I think you should definitely make all your decisions on tournament plays based on how their hair looks in the profile picture. <laughs> you see a guy who makes questionable choices. I see a guy who's electric. He's been electrocuted. His hair's all over the place. I mean, certainly from an actual football analysis standpoint, everything you're saying makes sense. I mean, the Cowboys defense isn't the first place you would want to attack on most weeks, but if you're getting it a total cheap stack at like, I don't know, 1% for the quarterback and six, you know, under 6% for the wide receiver, I think it makes all the sense in the world from a game theory standpoint, from an actual football analysis standpoint, it's scary, but I get it. <laughs> yeah. Wide receivers. Let's see here. Well, I, I kind of wanted to go to that Rams uh, 49ers game for, for this segment, but you're, you're sort of inspiring me here to run it back with the take I had last week where we were mm. just, we were looking at the wide receiver cornerback matchups for the green Bay Packers and, I was successful in predicting that Jair Alexander was not the player that everyone thought he was. <laughs> I think he was a fine cornerback. He did get completely dusted by Amari Cooper last week. But, um, boy, Michael Gallup is for real. Like, this dude just looks incredible out there. I have him at, like, 8% ownership because I think it, it's common enough out there, the thought process that, you know, he can be an explosive wide receiver in this league amongst sharper people. I think his ownership will start to creep a little bit. But still – for what he can do against this defense, especially if you're thinking that this is going to be like a game where the Jets can do something on offense, you just need to be absolutely all over Michael Gallup. I mean, this guy can fly. He's got big, big play capability and the touchdown equities through the roof. So 
No, nobody could have watched that game last week. What Amari Cooper did, no coordinator, and decide to do it alone. There's gonna be a baby in the background for a little bit because we're going a little over. <laughs> anyway, continue. I like Dallas. I do too. Yeah, he's he's gonna be in plenty of lineups for me as well. Um, yep. Tight end. Or you said you got nobody for tight end. Give me another wide receiver then. All right. Um, this is a, a deep one. Uh, I've got like two more really that I that I like, even though they're ugly for sure. Um, Miles Boykin, if um, assuming that Hollywood Brown is out, um, he's only 3.5K. I mean, the athletic profile is off the charts. So if you like um, Marquise Brown because of the deep threat, I mean, Miles Boykin's got the deep threat ability too. It's just a matter of you're, you're taking some risk on is the target volume going to be there, you know? And so for me, if Brown plays, then this play is completely out because I don't think um, Boykin's going to get the snap volume in order to hit. But if Brown's out, then I do like Boykin because he should be starting in three wide sets. And I think that he'll have some target upside because Seth Roberts, one of the other guys in three wide sets, has played a ton of snaps this year and, and has barely gotten any targets. So it's not really a direction that Lamar Jackson's been looking. Whereas Boykin has gotten some targets in – you know, uh, also not that many snaps. Yeah, that's an interesting one. I, I don't think he'll be even 1% known unless we get news like really, really early on that, right? Like I just don't think anyone's going to be on that. Yeah, like maybe around 1%. I know I saw someone uh, on Roto-Grinders said something about it as well. I think it might have been um, STL Cardinals. Yep, it makes sense though. So I'm I'm certainly on Team Miles Boykin. Got him in way too many best ball leagues. So hopefully that actually starts to transpire. <laughs> Um, I'll mention one tight end, Zach Ertz. I mean, the guy's going to be like 8% owned. And by comparison to the other top flight tight ends, his target share isn't going down. So it's just a matter of, do you believe that he can outscore these four guys better than his projected ownership is implying? I think it's worth taking a couple of shots on. I'm not going to be heavily exposed, but I certainly think it's probably one of the better low owned tight end plays on the week. I totally agree. And I mean, Darren Waller had his big game against the Vikings, you know, so it's not like um, it's not like it's impossible for it to happen against them. And Ertz has like maximum tight end upside, you know, it's like 40 plus points he's hit before. So um, yeah, I like that one. Um, just a couple other things I'll mention then, you know, I'll, I'll have a little bit of Will Disley and then, um, one other wide receiver that I like a little bit is um, Albert Wilson. If he comes back um, in his first game back, he, he had four targets and a carry in six snaps before getting injured in week one. Um, so, you know, if he plays, maybe it's a guy who gets used quite a bit and he's going to be super low owned as well. Um, he is explosive and, you know, the rest of the team kind of isn't so it's a it's a weird matchup. It's a weird week. And what if that Dolphins Redskins game is the shootout of the week? You know, oh, God. <laughs> not not if Adrian Peterson's going off. I'll tell you that. That is <laughs> well, if he's crazy. breaking off long runs instead of getting volume. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! Well, wait, what's what's end talking about the Dolphins and the Redskins, folks? That is going to do it for the ownership report, week number six. Uh, hopefully you'll come check us out at Road Grinders Premium if you're not with us already. We've got this show, but we've got a ton of other stuff that you're going to absolutely love. And I encourage you to come check us out. 
Best of luck in all of your contests. For Scott Hansen, I'm Chris Tremino. We'll be back again week number seven for the Ownership Report. Have a good week.